0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making theology central.
1: Can you see it? Come on, look closely. Look closely. Do you see it? Come on, look out there. Do you see it? That's the finish line, ladies and gentlemen. We can see the finish line. I know it's really, really small and it's kind of far out there, but we can see the finish line. We are right there. We are so close to finishing our study of the book of Jeremiah for the summer 2023 It has been—this summer feels like it's been five years and one—it is crazy. Not only has the study taken so many twists and turns, I feel like my life itself has taken so many twists and turns. And I know many of you, at the very beginning of the summer when I was like, let's study the book of Jeremiah, there was a sense of excitement. And people were like, yes, I'm going to do it. And I know somewhere down the path people started kind of walking away and, Sitting down and saying, well, you know, you guys go on. I'm not interested anymore or whatever the case may be. I got distracted, whatever the case may be. Life got in the way. And, and sadly, we, we've even had a little, you know, we've had some sad news here. People who used to support this uh, podcast said they're done, that they're, you know, no longer, they deleted the app. They're, they are finished. And, and I don't really know what I have said in the book of Jeremiah <laughs> to, to possibly upset people. People, but I, somehow I, I've managed to do that, and p- probably because I just won't approach Jeremiah with a particular team in mind, a particular theological team. I've tried to make us look at the text, be honest with the text, and struggle with the text. It's what I've tried to do, and, and that's what and we're going to go out trying to. We're going to go out doing that. So the the finish line is close. All right. Now here's how, just so that you know where things are going. All right. We've been using for the last, I don't know what, three, four, five episodes, Six episodes. I don't even remember anymore. We've been utilizing the audio from the late Dr. J. Vernon McGee, his working through the book of Jeremiah and his five year journey through the Bible. We know he's obviously skipping a lot and he's jumping around, but he's done a very good job giving us good points to think about and to discuss. I've given you homework assignments. So I think, I think we've done, I think, I think we've done a very good job with that. And so we're going to utilize his audio to get us today. This afternoon, this this evening, uh, to get us from Jeremiah chapter forty nine all the way down to Jeremiah chapter fifty two, but we we won't call that the finish line yet, because we will do pro- maybe something else later tonight, and then tomorrow we will be doing, and we're going to do something on Jeremiah all the way from now till midnight of August the thirty first. Now when I say from now till then, every time I'm broadcasting, it's gonna be about Jeremiah from now till midnight, August the thirty first. Um it may be sermon reviews, it may be, it may be, who knows? Whatever. Whatever I think whatever else I think I can do. Maybe try to go back and fill in some some gaps. What whatever I feel that we can do. And then hopefully hopefully and I'm I'm gonna try if possible to be broadcasting Close to midnight on August the 31st, I'm going to try to, I, I don't know if I can't plan it perfectly, but I'm going to try to end my broadcast at midnight or soon thereafter, um, which would then be September the 1st. So right, right as the clock, right as the calendar switches from August to September, I'm going to try to end the last broadcast on Jeremiah. You may hear a few, there may be a few more messages added to the series as I do some things at church. Again, still trying to fill in some of the, 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 the parts that I think maybe we could, we could do a little bit better on. Obviously you still have time to say, Oh, could you do this? Or could you cover this? Or what about this? You can email me any of those questions, thoughts, suggestions. To newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. So that is the plan. I don't know. Uh, I'm hoping Dr. J. Vernon McGee, he doesn't have a lot. There's not an, a lot of audio left, but hopefully it will get us from, I mean, I know it's going to get us from 49, uh, 49 to 52. I just don't know to what level of depth he's going to give us, but if we need to come back, we will. These last chapters, well, you can draw your own conclusion about them. I'm begging you, please, if you've not read the book of Jeremiah this summer, please read it. If you, if you can't read it, then grab an audio, uh, one of the apps to give you an audio Bible and, and listen to it. Just do something to try to get something from the book of Jeremiah by the end of August. All right. So let's first of all go ahead and get the Correct introduction out of the way. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Tuesday, August the 29th, 2023. It is currently 5.45 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central Studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, I want to go to the audio, but before I do so, Let's remind ourselves, especially in these last few chapters, we've heard a lot about Nebuchadnezzar, right? We've heard a lot about the, uh, the the Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians coming against Jerusalem and all the different things that's happened. We we've heard about that a lot over and over and over and over. The Babylonians are coming. The Babylonians have arrived. The Nebuchadnezzar has broken up the city. Uh, how he treated Jeremiah. We've gotten a lot of information. Now we know some of it hasn't been in perfectly chronological order, but with that. In mine, I thought this was interesting. So, um, I had gone to the Sword of the Lord website a few days ago and I'd ordered a couple of things. I ordered a new Schofield Bible, the anniversary edition with the 1917 notes, because we're going to begin a series on dispensationalism. So, obviously, I need a Schofield reference Bible, right? So, I, I ordered that. I ordered a new, just it's a kind of a compact Bible. I ordered it. It looks really cool. Um, it's kind of a black color. It looks really cool. I, I could try to describe it. I don't really like the, 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 not the size of the font, but the type that it is. Uh, right. So whatever, but I got that. And I also ordered a book called a dozen diamonds from Daniel. A dozen diamonds from Daniel because I thought, ooh, that, that's kind of interesting. It's may it may be 12 studies in the book of Daniel. Anytime you have something like that, that's always cool to look at because you can possibly use those 12 studies in, you know, a small series or or whatever, you know, if if before you get ready to go to a bigger series, you can kind of mix in a smaller series. We could do a small series for the podcast. And because Daniel, well, is there any kind of correlation maybe with the times of Daniel and the times of Jeremiah or is, is there anything is there any information that could be Interesting or or connected in any way, shape, or form, but I got the book, a diamond, uh, a dozen diamonds from Daniel, and then it has a Bible open and it says the book of Daniel, and then on the front page, there's, well, 12 diamonds. There's these diamonds. It's by Dr. Raymond Barber. And again, this is from Sword of the Lord Publishers. If you go to the Sword of the Lord website, I think the book is on sale. I think that's why I bought it. It's one of those things like, oh, I'm here to get this. Oh, wait, they got a book on sale. I don't care what's in it. I'll buy it. (laughs) So I bought it. So I got the book. I opened it up and I'm like, oh, okay. So we got 12, we got 12 chapters, 12 studies. All right. That looks kind of interesting. All right. That... Okay, maybe I could do something with that. Then you turn to chapter 1, and it's called The Smartest Man in Babylon. All right, okay. So, lesson, or the first diamond is about the smartest man in ba- Babylon, I'm assuming, right? So, then they say, then the book starts with this. I shall read all 21 verses of Daniel chapter 1, all right? And so, then I st- they, they have the verses quoted. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah... Oh, wait. We, we know Jehoiakim, right? Remember? And was it chapter 22? I spent all of that time giving you the name of those kings and, and uh, uh, their relationships and, and every, I tried to give you as much information as possible. It may not have been the most fascinating study, but we did that. Now, to be fair, <laughs> the Sunday school lesson, I delete, now I regret that I deleted it. Even though it wasn't very good, it gave this very important information, now, but I reviewed it. In that next hour. So that review is there. So, but we looked at all of these kings. So we know Jehoiakim, right? We know Jehoiakim. And the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah came Nebuchadnezzar. Our, we're very familiar with Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim of Judah into his hand and with part of the vessels of the house of God which he carried into the land of Shinar, that is to the land of Babylon, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. Here's here's Nebuchadnezzar taking things from the temple and bringing them to the temple of his God. I I want you to just to see. Once again, it just shows you Nebuchadnezzar is this pagan leader. And remember what God told the people. Go out and submit yourselves to him. And of course, the kings and many of them would not do that. Now, it once, now they give all 21 verses here, and I would like to read all of them. But then they go on to say that this is page 19 of A Dozen Diamonds from Daniel. Then it says this, listen, what a remarkable story. God is a wonderful writer, wouldn't you say? The Holy Spirit gave to Daniel, the author of this book, these words. The story of Daniel is the story of captivity. No period in all the history of the Jews was more distressing and disturbing in these days in which he lived. These attacks were made against Jerusalem by King Nebuchadnezzar and the armies of Babylon. Now, here we go. Remember I said, and even uh, Dr. J. Vernon McGee alluded to this fact that there were multiple times Nebuchadnezzar came up against them. Multiple times. Well, here we go. This book picks up that same information. These attacks were made against Jerusalem by King Nebuchadnezzar and the armies of Babylon. The first came in 606 BC, the second in 597 BC, and the third in 586 BC. Now, you may look up other dates and it may not be perfect in line with that. They should be relatively close, but just note I I think I I think I even challenged you to look those up, I think, at some point. But there you have it. If I did challenge you, I just did the homework for you. There were three attacks. 606, the second was in 597, and the third is in 586 BC. In 606 BC, in the third year of Jehoiakim, at the besieging of the city of Jerusalem in its attack by Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel was taken captive into Babylon. When the second attack came in 597 BC, Ezekiel, who becomes an outstanding prophet, is taken into captivity. In the year 586 BC, the most devastating of all the attacks, the temple at Jerusalem was destroyed, the walls of the city torn down, and the people taken into captivity with only a residue remaining. That marked the beginning of a period in history known as... The times of the Gentiles. Now that's an interesting phrase. What to do with that phrase once again depends on your school of eschatology. Some see this as significant. Some may not. It's, it's a phrase and you may want to look up how many times that phrase is used and, and how it would reference here. The destruction of Jerusalem in 586 BC brought havoc to the nation Israel and the kingdom of Judah. Jerusalem was the city of God. It first enters into the biblical record in Genesis 15 and they go through and they, they, they talk about, you know, its origins of it, all right? It says, um, it says, um, uh, Jerusalem means fountain of peace. Ironically, Jerusalem was probably only, oh, okay, let me read this again. Um, um, Jerusalem means fountain of peace. Uh, Salem, I'm saying, I'm sorry, let me read this all together. Salem being Jerusalem, Jerusalem meaning fountain of peace. Ironically, Jerusalem has probably enjoyed fewer years of peace than any major city in all the world. No less than 46 times she has been sacked and burned by enemy armies, none more devastating than 586 BC. Remember the city of God, Jerusalem contained the temple of God built by Solomon over a period of seven years and at a cost and a currency of multiplied billions of dollars. Not only did Jerusalem house the temple of God, but it uh, produced the word of God. The living word of God came out of Jerusalem for the most part. God raised up his men and put the word in their hearts. And the Bible says that all scripture is given by inspiration. And it goes on to say a lot more about Jerusalem. But that puts it a lot of the things that we've been reading. There you have it. And hopefully if you'll remember those names of those kings, remember some of those dates, When you read things like Ezekiel, or you read things like Daniel, or you're reading maybe Kings or Chronicles, some of these concepts and things should be able to fit together so that you have a better understanding of the historical context of what's what's going on. And the more you understand the historical context, the better Bible student you will be and a better Bible interpreter you will be. So you always, and I, I look, it's easy to forget these things. I can know those dates and know these names and 6 months from now I'll be like, "Wait a minute, what was that date? What was the name of that person?" But the more you can reinforce, the more you can remind. And so sometimes and and now I'm now I'm kind of kicking myself for this because I got because sometimes when you as a pastor, you stand before the people and you're like, "Okay, for the next hour all we're going to do is we're going to say, "Okay, here's this king, he reigned from this period to this period. Here's what happened to him. And you just go through a list of kings giving name and basic information. As a preacher, you feel like, ah, oh, that was no good. But as a, if you're a preacher who wants to really equip your people and really help them understand the Bible, you have to have sermons where you do that. I know the people, for the majority of it, will complain and say, that just felt like I was in school. It didn't feel like a sermon. Well, you can get your sermons and never truly understand the Bible. Or you could have someone who may not who may forego the sermon to give you what you really need. And now I look back, all of those kings and knowing who they are and when they reigned and how it came to an end, it all fits together. There's, we're reading in Daniel, there's Joachim, there's Nebuchadnezzar. Okay. Then you read over here, there's this king, There's this, and in all of it fits together. So I hope you understand the significance of that and you will continue in your own study. Like, you know, no matter, no matter where you are, you are always good at going, okay, wait a minute, where are we? What's going on? And trying to put it together so that whenever you're reading your Bible, you have a better understanding and you can connect the dots. And when you connect the dots, finally, you'll get the full picture. All right. So I just thought that was interesting that the book came in today. I open it up and immediately I'm back to Nebuchadnezzar, Jerusalem, Babylon, Jehoiakim. I'm back to these dates of the three times Nebuchadnezzar comes against Jerusalem and it all fits together perfectly. So there you go. Maybe we'll do some work out of this book, A Dozen uh, Diamonds from Daniel. Because, you know, we look, there's one thing I know. I could broadcast 15 hours a day and we would never run out of things to talk about and things to study and things to discuss. So as long as this broadcast remains, I'm going to go down swinging, trying to do as much as I can with whatever time I have left to try to hopefully not only benefit you, but hopefully try to benefit myself as well. So now are you ready? You ready to do some running? I do want to thank someone sent me an email earlier today that was super, 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 super encouraging. Thank you so very much for that. And for everyone else, whoever supports us or sends encouraging emails or write positive reviews or leave positive comments, we very much appreciate that. Because you may never know what's going on behind the scenes, but the right words... You you never know when they're the right words, but they can be so encouraging at any given time. So everyone who's left positive comments at any point, thank you so very much. But here we go. Are you ready? I think I'm ready. Dr. uh, Dr. David Jeremiah. What am I talking about? Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Where did Dr. David? I guess because of the book of Jeremiah, but we definitely are not listening to Dr. David Jeremiah. No, we've reviewed some things from here. Okay, I digress. (laughs) The late... Dr. J. Vernon McGee, Jeremiah 49 to 52.
0: Let's do this now. And as you continue on here in chapter 49, there is a prophecy against the Ammonites and their cities. No use looking to Ammon, it'll be destroyed and they'll disappear because they're not around today as a nation. But notice what God says in verse 6, "...and afterward I will bring again the captivity of the children of Ammon, saith the Lord." Now God says that He intends to bring them back in the last days as a nation. I say that these are remarkable scriptures here, remarkable prophecies. In other words, this remnant could turn to no one for help. And even we'll see they couldn't even turn to Babylon because Babylon will be coming down later on. Their only help was to be in the Lord and trust him and obey him. That,
1: look, not only is that an accurate picture of obviously their times. Hey, don't go turn anywhere else. Don't go run anywhere else. Wherever you run, it's not going to work. Your only hope is to trust me and, 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 and basically fall upon God and say, God, you're my only hope. I just want you to know when it comes to at least our salvation, this is very important. It doesn't matter what you run to. You can run to church membership. You can run to baptism. You can run to good works. You can try hard. You can read your Bible more. You can look to all of these things to somehow assure you of your salvation. All of it is useless and meaningless. None of it will help you unless you start lying to yourself, convincing yourself that it somehow proves something. Your only hope is to run to Christ and to say, I can't. You did. I can't do it. You did do it. And trust in his obedience, his righteousness. And then by faith, it's imputed unto you. Don't look to anything else. Don't look to anything else, even for assurance. Don't look for what you do to prove that you're saved. Because if you're really honest, what you're looking to to prove that you're saved, if you're really honest and compare it to the law of God, at some point it will prove that you're not saved unless you are just a good liar. But run to Christ. So it's a good picture of that. All right, let's, let's now see
0: how he gets us from 49 to 52. Now we come to a prophecy against Edom. He's shown that they could have no hope or help from any nation round about them, because God was judging all of them, not just Israel. Now, Edom, in a particular way here, probably occupies a little bit more space than any other except Egypt and Babylon. And Edom, you see, was related to Israel. Esau and Jacob were brothers. Two nations have come from these two men. And Edom has come from Esau. And they've not been friendly down through the years, but Edom has become a great nation. You will recall that God had said that would take place, that Edom would become a great nation. Verse 7, I'm reading now, concerning Edom, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Is wisdom no more in Teman? Is counsel perish from the prudent? is their wisdom vanished. You see, actually, Edom was over in the mountain fast, that's south and in more to the east of the Dead Sea. It's in an area between the Dead Sea and the Gulf of Aqaba, down just a little bit farther. And so Edom, as it were, was in for a judgment from God. They had become, though, a great nation. They had furnished advisors to nations. And because the rock-hewn city of Petra was such, why, actually, Edom was a place that acted as a depository for the great nations. Babylon carried a bank account there. In fact, Egypt did. This was a place they could store their treasures and feel safe, because there was a little Sikh that went in, and it was the only way you could get into this rock-hewn city. And the city was hewn out of a solid rock on both sides. It was a tremendous place. Now, God is going to take away all the greatness they've enjoyed, and their greatness depended largely on the nations round about them that looked to them. Now, verse 13, "...for I have sworn by myself, saith the Lord, that Basra, and this is Edom and Petra, shall become a desolation, a reproach, a waste, and a curse. And all the cities thereof shall be perpetual waste." And there's no city down in that area, yet there's already made city down there. If you're looking for an apartment. I can tell you where you can get one. And I think you could get it rent-free. If you went over to the rock-hewn city of Petra, you would find there that those apartments lovely. And I tell you, hewn out of the solid rock. And you could just move in there tomorrow if you wanted to. It's there for you. Only thing is that I'd like to warn you that no one will be around to collect the rent are no real estate salesman to sell you the property, you're not apt to stay there because the experience has been in the past that the people that have tried to stay there just didn't stay. A German tried it years ago. They've always been good at colonizing, but the colony that they sent in to Petra there, it just didn't make a go of it. And before long, the people scattered.
1: I would challenge you. He calls it Petra. I always refer to it as Petra. That's what I've always referred to it as. Um, if you should look it up, you should look it up online, uh, what that city looks like. It's crazy. It's it's like it's fascinates me it's been in movies it's been in books you should look it up uh the the, the rock city of petra there are petra however he I, I don't i've always i've always heard it as petra i mean there was a contemporary, contemporary christian rock group called petra and i understood the name to come from well this idea of of, of rock city so um you can You can look it up if you've never, if if for some reason you're not familiar with it. I don't know if Bible dictionaries would have an entry for it. If it does, that's awesome. You should look it up. Look at pictures of it because it's just, it's really, to
0: me, it's fascinating. So you should look it up. Now, notice what God says about this place here. And I'm reading now verse 16. He says here, thy terribleness hath deceived thee, and the pride of thine heart. The great sin of Petra was pride, you see. And we have here the judgment now upon it. O thou that dwellest in the clefts of the rock, that holdest the height of the hill, though thou shouldst make thy nest as high as the eagle, I will bring thee down from thence, saith the Lord. Now, you see, they were in a place where actually they were protected. This little seat that led into the city of Petra, it was just sort of a cleft in the rock. And the Wadi Musa, the Valley of Moses, went into that particular area. And this nation had had about a thousand years of history. Then the Nabataean Arabs took it. And we are told even the Greeks said it was an impregnable city and two fruitless expeditions had been led against it by Antigenus. And it was inaccessible for modern man until the plane came along. And today, you can go to Mon and take a bus down and then you go in by horseback. Now, this city reveals the influence of Babylonian, Egyptian, and Greek, and Roman influence in their architecture and in the civilization that was there. And we find that Edom was brought down. God judged it. And the city, of course, is no longer inhabited. Yet it's a ready-made city over there. Now, God says this concerning it. And by the way, we'll get a more complete prophecy of this when we get to the prophecy of Ezekiel. I'm reading now verse 17, "...and Edom shall be a desolation. Everyone that goeth by it shall be astonished, and shall hiss at all the plagues thereof. As in the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah, and the neighbor cities thereof, saith the Lord, no man shall abide there, neither shall a son of man dwell in it. Now, I submit to you that that's a very wonderful prophecy. It's a prophecy that says this city, although there it is in existence, you can't destroy it, it's just hewn out of the rocks that you could move in tomorrow. God says it will not be inhabited, and it's not today. Every now and then an Arab pitches his tent there for the night, but he's on his way the next day. They're not apt to make their abode there, and they have some very superstitious reasons for it. And the Germans didn't have that superstitious reason, but the colony that was established there just didn't work out. The man did it with the idea that he could disprove the Word of God because God made the statement, that neither shall a son of man dwell in it. Won't become abiding place. And yet that's a ready-made city. And I think that's remarkable when you put that down by a city like Tyre. God said that that city would be scraped and absolutely nothing left. But it was to be inhabited after that. And Tyre is a city today that's inhabited. But Petra... You just better not send any package there to Petra because the post office just doesn't have it at all. It wouldn't arrive there. They have no mail service there at all today because there's nobody there to receive mail or to mail anything. Now, notice what he says in verse 20. "...therefore hear the counsel of the Lord, that he hath taken against Edom and his purposes..." that he's purposed against the inhabitants of Teman. Surely the least of the flock shall draw them out. Surely he shall make their habitations desolate with them. And so this city became desolate, and the nation Edom disappeared. I would just challenge you look
1: at I mean not only look at the pictures of Petra again he calls it Petra I'm I'm going to call it Petra just because I'm from Texas and whatever we say is right. Okay, I'm just joking. But you really, I mean in all serious with all setting aside all joking. You just know everything you can about the city of Petra. Right? You you really should. You really should just know at least all the basic things and how many different prophecies and uh, about the destruction of it are in the Bible. How many? Tyre and Sidon you should know uh, you should know everything about those cities as well the 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 prophecy against Tyre and Sidon you you should know that as well those are important not only cities but the prophecies against them and how they are fulfilled in history you can look back and read about some of these things in the history books and you're like whoa that's exactly as it was prophesied which gives you assurance and the trustworthiness
0: of God's word All right but let's continue now we have next, beginning of verse 23, is concerning Damascus. And Damascus is said to be the oldest city. Today. Of course, there are many other cities that make that claim that they are the oldest city. But Damascus probably has some right to it. But here's a prophecy against it, and that the city would be destroyed. It has been destroyed and it has shifted its position several times. But the name Damascus continues on with the city, and it is today the capital of Syria. Now you have prophecies against two very prosperous places, although we know so little about them. It's against Kedar and also Hazar, and it's concerning Kedar, and concerning the kingdoms of Hazor, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, shall smite. And he did that. And then also in verse 34, there is a prophecy against Elam, so that there is no place for this remnant to turn to, because all of these nations are to suffer the like fate of the nation Israel. So the it's really remarkable to me,
1: and especially the way Doctor J Vernon McGee is framing this, is that hey, you, you guys, there's nowhere to go, there's nowhere to run. You can run to Egypt, you can run here. This is going to is is be judged. This place is going to be judged. This place is going to be judged. This place is going to be judged. There is nowhere to run. There is nowhere to go. You have to come to me. And 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 I and I just love that because it just demonstrates. I don't care the civilization. I don't care the country. I don't care the people. We are all sinners and all deserve to be judged. There is nowhere, no one can help you. No church can, nobody can help you. There's no religion. All you can do is run to the creator of the universe and run to him and throw yourself at his feet and say, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I can do nothing. And God said, I will, and I did accomplish everything for your salvation in my son, Jesus Christ. There's no hope. There's no place to run. And it's just, it's crazy that chapter and verse after verse, there's so much information here about this place is going to be judged. This place is going to be judged. This place is going to be judged because he's letting them know there's no place for you to go. It's just
0: remarkable to me. All right, let's continue. A remnant, they looked in every direction except up and they never turned to God. But then they made off down to the land of Egypt. And it's always been to me a very strange thing how these people have always been lured in that direction. Abraham went off to Egypt. It was true also of his son Isaac and also of his son Jacob and also of his son Joseph. And, of course, these are sons, grandsons, great-grandsons, and great-great-grandsons. But they're all in his line, and they all ran off to the land of Egypt. That's where they ended up. And we find that the nation Israel again and again made peace with him. And they're still having trouble with them, by the way. Now, in chapter 50 and 51, here is the prophecy against the nation that at this time... Was the top nation in the world, the first great world power, and it is a nation that is to be destroyed. Judgment will come upon it. Now I'm just going to hit some high points here. Chapter 50, verse 1. The word that the Lord spake against Babylon and against the land of the Chaldeans by Jeremiah the prophet. Now at this time it looked like Israel might disappear, but Babylon would continue. But God says Babylon is to be destroyed, but his people, verse 4, in those days and at that time, now this goes way down to the future, saith the Lord, the children of Israel shall come. They and the children of Judah together, going and weeping, and they shall go and seek the Lord their God.
1: There it is, once again, one of these prophecies that if you spiritualize it, and if you somehow apply it to the church, you destroy the beauty of the entire book of Jeremiah. You take away the real power of it. There's no power in going, hey, guys, okay, Israel, Judah, you're just gone. This is the church. What is, that has no power or or meaning or beauty to the people these words were to. Look at this. Hey, judgment's coming here. Judgment's coming here. Judgment's coming here. Hey, Israel and Judah, you've been judged. Judgment's coming everywhere. But we got that beautiful promise in Jeremiah 31 that God says, I will, I will, I will, and I will because of what God will do. we read these words, Uh, Jeremiah chapter 50, verse four, in those days and in that time, saith the Lord, the children of Israel shall say, come they and the children of Judah together. Once again, it's the re it's the, it's the kingdom coming back together. It's the united kingdom together. Once again, they're all going to be brought back together, going and weeping and they shall go and seek The Lord, their God. There's coming a time. This is a national, nation, revival where they will be saved, which is promised in the New Testament. And that's not the church. It's this beautiful promise that God is going to keep for them. And I know that goes against certain people's eschatology, but I don't care about the eschatology. I don't care about the team. I care about the text. Reading this in its context, I don't know what other conclusion you can come to.
0: They shall ask the way to Zion, and they're going back there. Now God says he intends to destroy Babylon. Verse 9, For lo, I will raise and cause to come up against Babylon an assembly of great nations from the north country. Media Persia came down and destroyed them. And they shall set themselves in array against her. From thence she shall be taken, their arrows "...shall be as of a mighty expert man, none shall return in vain." And it was by a clever maneuver that Gobrius was able to take these people. And he did take them, and it is a, a tremendous statement. Media Persia will destroy Babylon. Now, I drop down to verse 13. "...because of the wrath of the Lord it shall not be inhabited." "...but it shall be wholly desolate. Everyone that goeth by Babylon shall be astonished, and hiss at all her plagues." Now, that prophecy has been literally fulfilled. Now, I drop down to verses 17 and 18. "...Israel is a scattered sheep. The lions have driven him away. First the king of Assyria hath devoured him, and last this Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon hath broken his bones." Therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will punish the king of Babylon and his lands as I have punished the king of Assyria. Now God will punish Babylon. And now we are told that judgment will come in the future. And it will be utter destruction. Now, I don't know if he's going to skip or not, but I'm going to jump in. Look
1: at verse 19. So he's going to destroy them. And I will bring Israel again to his habitation. He shall feed on Carmel and Bashan. And his soul shall be satisfied upon Mount Ephraim and Gilead. In those days and in that time, saith the Lord, the iniquity of Israel shall be sought for and there shall be none and the sins of Judah and they shall not be found for I will pardon them whom I reserve. I mean, what these these promises, they, like because of all this, look, it's literal judgment. Coming upon literal Israel and literal Judah. So then the blessings have to be for literal Israel and literal Judah. I just don't understand how you can change that and stay anywhere consistent in your eschatology. It just makes no sense. And why would you be so like, no, 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 this is the church. This is the church. Why would it bother you so much that you have to, you just can't allow it to be Israel? What would be the like, At best, you could be like, well, because of this or because of this, I think it's okay to spiritualize. I can understand trying to make like a, like kind of an argument, but I don't know why you should be so committed to it and then look down on others and mock their eschatology like you're somehow morally superior. Like, you would think just like, man, I, I'm almost happy. Like, I, I almost hope it is for Israel and Judah because, man, they suffered a lot. I hope God will show me. Like, you almost want it, but it's almost like someone like, nope, 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 it's the church. Forget them. And it's like, I mean, I don't know. Wouldn't you want kind of hope that maybe God's not done with them and there's going to be a promise considering how much they've suffered?
0: Verse 26 Come against her from the utmost border. Open her storehouses. Cast her up as heaps and destroy her utterly. Let nothing of her be left. And you can look at Babylon today. It's a heap out there. It was utterly destroyed. Now, we find here in verse 28, the report of the destruction of Babylon is to be announced in Zion the voice of them that flee and escape out of the land of Babylon, to declare in Zion the vengeance of the Lord our God, the vengeance of his temple. And that destruction is compared to the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And if you read verses 38 through 40 here, which we'll not do, you'll see that that is true. And in verse 42... Here is what Gobrius the Median did when he entered the city. We'll see that later. They shall hold the bow and the lance. They're cruel. They'll not show mercy. Their voice will roar like the sea. And they shall ride upon horses. Everyone put in array like a man to the battle against the old daughter of Babylon. And it would be destroyed. Now in chapter 51, he continues that, Babylon is to be suddenly destroyed. We'll see that when we get to the fifth chapter of Daniel. Verse 5, For Israel hath not been forsaken, nor Judah of his God, of the Lord of hosts, though their land was filled with sin against the Holy One of Israel. And then verse 8, Babylon is suddenly fallen and destroyed. Howl for her, take balm for her pain, if so be, she may be healed. And that, of course, again, that was literally fulfilled. And it was to become a place of perpetual desolations. God says that. Verse 25, Behold, I'm against thee, O destroying mountain, saith the Lord, which destroyeth all the earth, and I will stretch out mine hand upon thee. And verse 26, they shall not take of thee a stone for a corner, nor stone for foundations, but thou shalt be desolate forever, saith the Lord. That's God's word concerning Babylon. And you can look at it today. And he continues on here, verses 36 and 37. Now, we come to chapter 52, and I've already looked at that in connection You will recall back when we were looking at the destruction of Jerusalem under Jehoiachin. Now, he was taken into captivity. And he's the last of the line of David. And it was him that God said, No one of the line of Caniah, Jehoiachin, will sit on the throne. Now, he died down in Babylon. Here we have it, verse 31 now, the 52nd chapter "...of Jeremiah. It came to pass in the seven and thirtieth year of the captivity of Jehoiachin, king of Judah, in the twelfth month, the 5th and the five and twentieth day of the month, that Evel-Merodach, king of Babylon, the first year of his reign, lifted up the head of Jehoiachin, king of Judah, brought him forth out of prison, spoke kindly unto him, set his throne above the throne of the kings that were with him in Babylon, changed his present garments, and he did continually eat bread before him all the days of his life. And for his diet, there was a continual diet given him of the king of Babylon, every day a portion until the day of his death, all the days of his life. That ends the line of David through Solomon. No one in that line will sit upon the throne of David. But another line, and that's the line of Nathan, another son of David, And Mary came in that line. Jesus was born in that line. That's the reason this is given at the end of Jeremiah. Next time, we look at the book of Lamentations.
1: I I don't know what to say. There we have it. Now, that that doesn't finish everything we're going to do, but that gives us an overview from using Dr. J. Vernon McGee, we went, I think, from chapter 30 to all the way to 52. It's been a couple of days. We've covered a lot of ground. We've covered a lot to give you a very, uh, I think, decent overview. Now we still got a lot of things to do. Uh, it is, it is, uh, Tuesday, August the 29th. So we've got, well, we've got some time this evening. Uh, we've got tomorrow, and then uh, we've got uh, you know one more day, the thirty, uh thirty first, right? Thirty one days in the month of August. Yes. If I, if I, unless I've completely lost all track of time, and I'm thinking I have more time than I do. Yes, there are thirty one days in the month of August. Yes, and so we will go all the way till Thursday doing more things in the book of Jeremiah to just do what we can. We could we could try to work on the book of Lamentations, we could. Now, I think what we will do, we will be utilizing uh the explore the Bible su- uh per- personal study guide for summer 2023 and we will probably try to do some work on um maybe 30 chapter 31, 35, 36, 42, 50. Um they don't really do much in 52. It is interesting. That at the end of 52, if you remember our, our our entire series we did on the curse of Jeconiah, Jehoiachin, uh, that uh, he's mentioned here at the end. Jehoiachin is mentioned here at the end of uh, Jeremiah, chapter 52, verses uh, 31 and following. That's it's, it's, it's interesting that he, he kind of shows up there. It's kind of an anticlimactic end of the book, isn't it? I mean, you know, a lot of arguments about the, the book not being a chronological order is, It does kind of just end with, it ends with judgment and death, judgment and death. I mean, it doesn't really end hopeful. Like if I was writing it, if I was the one putting it together, I would have ended the book more with a a grouping all of those promises to Israel together, right? I would have wanted chapter 52 to be God promised this to Israel and Judah. God promised that he will do this for Israel and Judah. God promised this. God promised this. God promised this. God promised. I would want to end it in a positive note, right? Wouldn't you? Like, it's so weird that it ends with, and for his diet, there was a continual diet given him of the king of Babylon every day, a portion until the day of his death, all the days of his life. And you're like, what is that? What? It, it, it doesn't even really end with the destruction of. It doesn't even really even end with the destruction of Babylon, right? It it it's so weird. It does it doesn't end with the destruction of Babylon per se. It ends with the death of of Jehoiachin, and it doesn't end with. It doesn't end in a promising like, hey, hey, Israel. I know all of this judgment. It, it's so weird how it ends. It's so. Like I, I don't know what to. I don't know how to process its ending. Like you would want the ending to be something more dramatic, but it, it just kind of, it just kind of fades out, and you're just kind of like the screen goes dark, and you're kind of like, wait, 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 no, 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 come back, come back. This can't be the end. This can't be the end. But it's how it ends. And how it's how it ends. I, I don't. How would you summarize the ending? I don't know. That's up for you to process. I, I don't. I don't have a good way. I, you just. You think it should be end in a different way, but we will, we will grab some random sermons from Jeremiah. Maybe we'll grab some random sermons from maybe 26 and on, because I think we've done a pretty good job covering everything up to that point. So, um, I think we'll, we may do that. Uh, we may use the, the, the study guide to do a little bit extra. We're just going to, everything from this point on is just going to be a little, extra things to add to it. Just because I said we were going to go all the way to the end of August, I'm going to keep my word. I know you could say, well, you could jump into the book of Lamentations. I know I could, but remember the goal was always Jeremiah. Lamentations is there. Even even the Bible study guide that we we took this idea from, they only dedicate one study to Lamentations. So that don't even do much. So maybe, maybe we will at some point throw that in and do some, some kind of devotional work on there. But there you have it. I, I, I don't, I wish I could have something more pro. I wish at this point I could be like, here's a major point. Like he doesn't. <laughs> He doesn't offer any major points there. I mean, he just kind of, he's just kind of done. He's like, that's it, the end, we're done. Okay, like, you're like, wait, come back, come back. What do you mean we're done? Like the audio just, are like, no, that can't be the end. So, uh yeah, I don't know how you want to, I mean, I would have done this in so many different ways. But see, that's that's if I would have done so. Um Yeah, I don't, I don't know what you want to do with that. I don't know what you want to do with that. What a way! But I just want you to see that the ju- all these judgments, judgments upon this nation, judgment upon this nation. I, I will say this: this is, I guess, what we will. We'll, I will try to throw this point out there. There is this. This should be painfully obvious to you that throughout the book there are prophecies given, and these prophecies are towards specific nations, not symbolic nations, real nations. And the judgments that come upon these nations are real. They actually occur in history. This nation's actually destroyed. The city is actually destroyed. The king actually dies. It's literal, literal, literal. I know sometimes there's some, you could argue, maybe some figurative speech thrown in, maybe some kind of po- uh prophetic kind of language used, but over and over, the, the nations that are spoken of are real nations, the kings that are spoken of are real kings, and the judgments that come are real and literal, and the people who die are literal. So therefore, why would you then take all the blessings that are promised to Israel and go, no, 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 Those, that's not literal land. That's not literal promises. And that's not literal Israel. It's spiritual Israel. It's, it's the remnant. Well, the remnant ends up going down to Egypt and not obeying God. So I don't know if you, like, no, it's, it's for the nation. And if the nation was judged literally, they have to be blessed literally, or the entire your entire hermen, hermeneutic makes absolutely no sense. You may be able to go find these little sections of scripture where you're like, "Well, literal, it doesn't fit." And I understand that. And when and when you have those specific passages, you're like, "Well, wait a minute, that that you're right, that doesn't work." I understand. But when you take an entire book like Jeremiah and you read it, You have to see nation after nation is mentioned, nation after nation after nation, literal judgments that are literally fulfilled in history, that I'm not going to sit there and just arbitrarily take promises given to one of those literal nations like Israel and Judah and then say, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. That's for us. Forget you. You're just kicked out. That is arrogant. And I don't know why you would do that considering everything in the book would tell you to handle it in a different way. That's allowing your theology. That's allowing your system to motivate you to twist and manipulate the text. All right, you can email me, newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. We, we're still not really crossed the finish line. Well, I'm just going to say we're kind of, we're kind of just a, I don't know, a couple of hundred yards away, maybe, maybe a mile away and we're just going to stop. We're just going to stop here. And I'm, I'm, but we, we finished, I know we kind of finished it, but I feel we'll, we'll, we'll do a little bit more and try to bring it to hopefully something, uh, some kind of a better conclusion. Hopefully, hopefully, I don't, I don't know if we can, um, but we will do what we can to try to make, make it mean even more and and we will do our very best all right thanks for listening hope that was beneficial hope that was helpful you can email me news if at yahoo.com that's news if at yahoo.com news at yahoo.com. thanks for listening everyone have a great evening if possible, we'll do possibly another live broadcast, maybe maybe around 9 or 10 o'clock tonight, maybe. Um, we will see. I just have to decide what I want to do now. What do I want to do, do now? I don't know. I, I, I have some ideas, but we'll see. All right, thanks for listening. Everyone have a great night. God bless.